0: Clear prop.
1: Zero seven three, Cherokee number two, following twin traffic, three mile final. There's nothing. One triler Bravo, Rixford in runway two five, going four mile final.
0: This is behind the prop with United Flight Systems owner and licensed pilot Bobby Doss, and its co-host, Major Airline Captain and designated pilot examiner Wally Mulhern. Now let's go behind the prop.
2: What's up, Wally? Hey, Bobby. How are you? I am fantastic. Uh, Last week, I had the great opportunity to uh, get current in all things aviation, for the most part. Got a little bit of work left to do on my IPC, but I did that with our assistant chief, Geo Handel, who is joining us on the show today. Thanks for joining us, Geo. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always a treat to come back here and talk shop. That's right. So uh, if you don't remember, Gio's full-time job is an air traffic controller here in Houston. He works at Houston Center. He is an air traffic control instructor and uh, the union rep here for his sector. So uh, he knows a lot about uh, ATC aviation. And when we were doing our work for my flight review and my IPC, I thought that some of the things you were telling me were very interesting and things that I don't think about as a pilot. Because you are an avid and active GA pilot, you have a very interesting view on the world of airspace and aviation and all that stuff you talk to Wallys of the world all day every day up high but you're also thinking about us guys down low on a regular basis too so we're gonna talk some best practices today we might go off on some tangents um but we're gonna have a good conversation with an air traffic controller wally anything that's top of mind for you before we jump into some of these best practices as it relates to geo
3: yeah. One, one thing that we were, we were dis- discussing earlier is, um, you know, one of the, one of the maneuvers, one of the things that we're required to test on a private and commercial check ride is emergency landings. Um, so we're out in the practice area, we've done some maneuvers, stalls, steep turns, all that good stuff. And then we say, okay, we've just lost our engine. What are we going to do? And, um, yeah, by and large, most people will say, oh, I'm gonna pitch for best airspeed, I'm gonna look for a best place to land, I'm gonna pull out the checklist, and somewhere after all that gets done, they think about communicating with people, um, whether it be um, uh, via the transponder or via the BHF uh, com. And I would say 95% of them Um, that's an informal number but i the vast majority of people are going to say i'm going to switch over to one two one point five and declare an emergency and so you might hear um mayday 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 cessna one two three alpha charlie 10 miles west of the lake going down in a field and uh you know we'll, we'll debrief that that um um we may have been on a frequency uh we may have been on the local tower and uh, maybe maybe we didn't really need to make that change to 121.5 so uh Gios, talk to us, just talk to us a little bit about who is monitoring 121.5 and and um uh, you know if if you think that would be the best practice to switch frequencies if you were you know, let's say you just left a class D airport and you already had tower in the in the radio and uh you know, maybe you don't have a, a squat code assigned by by the tower, but you just left. Oh, and the best question of all is what would you
2: do in that situation? <laughs> not, not,
1: not what are you recommending? What are you going to do in that situation? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. And um, what I generally tell people is whenever you have an emergency, if you're already talking to an air traffic facility, whether it be tower approach or, you know, whatever it is they are the best people to be helping you in that moment. So, I generally would say avoid just switching to 1 to 1.5 because number one that's unexpected. You know, if you have an emergency and you're you have flight following, you're you're squawked up, we know your call sign and we can help you the best that we can. We can put a tag right on the radar scope where you're at. Now, what happens when you switch from your squawk code you were given to emergency frequent or emergency squawk 7700. You're essentially changing your tag for us, and now we're going to see. Yeah, you have an emergency, but now we're kind of running. What's going on? And not every sector has 1 to 1.5. And to answer Wally's question, who's who's monitoring that? Well, it's just controllers. You know, we all have our normal frequencies and certain sectors, they have one to 1.5 and they're monitoring it. Now my, my area, my whole sector of expertise, they don't have one to 1.5. So, um, if someone leaves my frequency to declare emergency, I don't know where they're at. And it's actually happened before where someone did that and someone from Laredo sector, which is, hundreds and hundreds of miles from where my airspace is at they called me and said hey this guy is declaring emergency do you want to talk to him i'm like yeah yeah put him back on me and he comes right back to their frequency and you know we we end up helping him out but there was a few minutes where i was like i have no idea where this guy went you know he he could have crashed i have no idea so
2: and when you say sector because i'm sitting here thinking i don't know if all the pilots listening really know what you mean by sector it's not a 2d sector it's not down on the sectional map it's the sectors might be three-dimensional, right? You you might not cover from 60,000 feet all the way to surface, right? You you have a third dimension of that pie up
1: high, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I asked this question in your flight review, you know, there's a rocket ship at Hooks and it goes straight up in the air. Tell me all the airspace you're going to hit, you know, and obviously you're going to hit the D, the B, the E, and eventually up to class A airspace. And um, it's the same for air traffic control. So if you send a rocket, straight up from the ground, there's usually someone monitoring the, you know, from the surface up to a certain altitude. And typically it'll be an approach control sector. And then once you get up to the higher, you know, tens and, into to the flight levels, you're talking to another sector. And then once you get up to even higher, you know, you're talking to a high sector. And then now with more and more airplanes able to go into the flight levels, you know, flight flight level four, five, zero, four, seven, zero. Um, we have ultra high frequent, uh, ultra high sectors, which go from 36,000 feet and above. So you can literally go look straight up and there's multiple controllers working Mm. airspace straight up. So it's, it's sometimes it's very complex. And um, that's why I say, if you have an emergency, stay with the guy that you're talking to. And um, because who knows who's going to pick you up. Um, Now, if you're flying VFR, been 1200 for, you know, two hours. You're going to visit your uncle's ranch in West Texas and you have an engine failure. You don't know who you need to talk to. Absolutely. One, 2, 1. five seventy seven hundred, 7,700. Um, and we'll be able to find you, but generally stay on your squat code and tell us, you know, mayday, 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 or, uh, tell us what's happening and, um, we'll be able to help you out. Perfect. Um, so
2: not even don't even go to 7700 on the squawk. Keep everything as is, just keep talking to the person I'm talking to. I'm probably going to get the most help that I can get right there. Yeah,
1: yeah, generally, yeah, generally speaking, there are certain cases, but you know, for the most part, if you're if you're squawking and talking to someone, stay where you're at. Perfect. Well, a lot of what we wanted to talk about were best practices and we've had a number
2: of conversations where you and the team here in Houston have come and chatted with us. Uh some of this might not be rocket science for the pilot community out there, but it, it is the basics that's going to help us all be better pilots and better friends with ATC and, and get more help. Um, what, what do you hear? Let's just start with some of the best practices. What, what's the one big mistake that you see as a flight instructor in GA, as a participant in GA? that just makes
1: you cringe uh geo when you hear it or see it on the radio yeah you know that that's that's funny because that's when i tell people i'm an air traffic controller the number one question i get is is it stressful and then number two it's what's your pet peeves and um a lot of these best practices kind of came out of that because you know pet peeves for me means i'm getting annoyed and i don't really get annoyed with a lot of this stuff but it's stuff I, i really wish pilots would implement more and um would make you a better communicator but Number one for me is listen before you transmit, and what that means is if you're switching frequencies, if we just handed you off to somebody else, take a second, listen to what's going on. Is it busy? Is it slow? Is there an emergency on frequency? Um, and if that's the case, you know, take a second, let let them handle that, because for the most part, if you're just checking in and you're level at 4,500, that's very low priority. You know, we're going to Roger you and give you an altimeter, almost 100% of the time. So. Um, just give it a second and listen. And I know airline uh, pilots are really good at this. Uh, for the most part, I know there's probably some exceptions, but um, they they listen and they kind of get a feel for what's going on in the frequency. And if I'm on a squat code, the example I use all the time,
2: I'm going to Austin and I'm going through different approach sectors, I'm sure. They know I'm in their sector. They've already Absolutely, seen me. Yeah. I've got a squat code. Um, if I don't talk to them, which – has never happened if uh, I forgot to check in but they're going to check in with me they're going to say hey 1419 form you on you on with me yet it's not like they're going to lose me because I don't check in right checking in doesn't do anything other than establish that communication right yeah so um, it's not
1: something that i have to do immediately urgently there's there's plenty of time there i guess right? yeah and and funny enough sometimes We'll give someone a you know a frequency change and they will literally hold down the push to talk switch the frequency while they're doing it and i'll hear the end of their call to the previous controller and check on with us that means they literally just held down the push to talk the whole time and switch frequencies <laughs> so don't don't do that um you know and what i tell my students when they check on really quickly i'm like how many milliseconds did you wait before checking on, you know? Um, so they, they think we, we want you right away. It's okay, take, take, take a few seconds, get a feel for the radio and we'll really appreciate it.
2: Perfect, so that can't be the only one. Let's, uh, let's go to the next one.
1: Yeah, so number two for me is have an idea of what you're gonna say. And what I tell my students is push to talk, it's not push to think. So if you're struggling with radio communications, you know, get an idea of what you're going to say. And if if you can get ahead of that, you can start thinking already of what ATC is going to tell you. So let's say you're on ground control and they tell you contact tower when you're number one. Well, once you go there, like I said before, take a second, listen to what tower, what's going on in tower. If they're giving a takeoff clearance or whatever it may be, think about, okay, what do I need to say? Okay, I'm holding short of here and I'm ready for takeoff. All right. And then what are they going to tell you? They're going to tell you two things. Either you're clear for takeoff or you need to, you need to stand by or hold short. So you can already get an idea of, um, what you need to say. And if you need to have a pen and paper and write down what you need to say, that's fine. And you know, ATC communications, it's intimidating for a lot of student pilots. And I, I tell them it's a lot like learning a new language. You're not going to get it on the first try. You're going to have to really practice and get reps in before you really get comfortable.
2: Yeah, that brings up a good question. You may not know the answer to this. I, I don't know if you do, but um, I've wondered the answer to this question. So I'm at the whole shoreline on the runway. I know it's my I'm, I'm number one. It's my turn. And there's one of my aircraft coming on short final. And another one right behind it. I'm holding short. I'm now number one. The other plane's gone. Should I check in or do I wait for these other planes to land? I know they're going to tell me to stand by. Does the tower want to know that I'm really ready or do they want me to wait? Or what should I do in that situation?
1: Yeah, that again, that's a great question. And this, I will have to just tell you what I do because I've never worked at tower. Right. Um, So generally, if I just checked in, and I'll give an example. Someone just took off. They're rolling down the runway. I'm not going to check in right away because I know they can't, they're just gonna tell me to stand by. I'll wait till they get up, get off in the air and get going. Now it gets a little more tricky when there's someone on final because how far out are they? And and to an extent, you don't wanna do ATC's job and be like, okay, I can fit in this gap, which it's really tempting for me as a controller because <laughs> I'm always like, okay, they could have fit me in there. Right. But um, if you're not sure, just check in, tell them, hey, holding it short and then they'll, they'll make the sequence. But generally, if you see someone on final, they're probably not going to try to squeeze you out of there really quickly. Right. Um, but um, I guess it really depends on who's working the, uh, the tower. Okay. Good, good feedback. Um, number three in your best practice list. Number three, be clear, concise, and precise. So what does that even mean? Um, so it means don't clog up airtime with extra unnecessary verbiage. And a lot of these, they kind of build on each other. If you know what you're gonna say, if you've already listened to the frequency, you're gonna check in and be really quick and not gonna have a lot of those ahs and ums. And, you know, a lot of times I'll hear, oh, let's see, we're uh, about 10 miles to, no, we're actually 20 miles to the south. And um, a lot of times I understand you're trying to figure it out on the fly. And in the GA community, we're most of the time, we're single pilots. so. We're, we're doing a lot, our hands are moving a lot. So it's hard to kind of get ahead of the airplane all the time. But, um, you know, try not to clog up with extra verbiage, always use your call sign. And I think tower and pretty much every air traffic controller in the world will appreciate always using your call sign. I can't tell you how many times where someone says, oh, uh, Hey, we're picking up uh, severe turbulence and I'll say who's picking up severe turbulence. Uh, it's United 452. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Well, you know, now you, I, I'll tell you what the better rides are. But always use your call sign. It's crucial we maintain aircraft identity. Um, and when you do this, when you do these things, you're, you're clear, concise. You listen. You know, you you know what you got a, a window to check in. You're making a good first impression with air traffic control. So if you have a pretty tricky request, if you need to do ten practice approaches. You know, they're going to be like, okay, this guy's on top of it, and I can tell you, if you if you come in there and you're giving wrong directions and you're um and eyeing and you're you're messing up a lot. A lot of us are like, oh boy, here we go. Uh, so so, unable to help today. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean that, we 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 all do a good job of you know helping everyone out, but. Um, and this also means knowing your, your cardinal directions, I've, I've been guilty of this where I look quickly at a map and maybe I have a track up instead of north up and I say I'm northeast of the field but I'm really southeast or southwest, you know, that, that's a big deal. You know, a lot of airports don't have any sort of radar in there. So they're taking you at your word that you're really southwest, not northeast. So, um, make sure you really, um, uh, get that point across and, and lastly with this point for all the instrument pilots out there you have to remember the time when you were that student pilot or private pilot if you say you're inbound on the vor alpha and you're 25 miles east of gaboo not a lot of vfr pilots are going to know what you're talking about you know use directions from the airport or from a VOR that's a lot more clear and concise. It'll help the pilots in the area know what you're talking about uh, versus if you just talk about a random fix or an instrument approach, because I've experienced this in the Midwest flying out there and someone said, I'm inbound on the uh, GPS and I'm X north of the fix. I have no idea where it's at. I'd ask them, okay, how far are you from the airport? And that's a lot more clear and concise. And do you think that some of that not
2: being clear and concise is people trying to sound too pilot-like, too cool, you know, they're trying to get the, they're trying to rattle it off like they know what they're doing when, and not using some just normal language?
1: Yeah, I, I think that plays a part. And, you know, I think a lot of it too is when you're out there flying, you know, you're just thinking, okay, I'm flying the instrument approach procedure. Okay, I'm I'm 10 north of Gaboo right now, and I'm flying the approach. And that's that's what comes across. But, um, you know, take a second you have to think like i said not everyone's an ifr pilot or is familiar with all the approaches in houston you know for the most part if you're flying out of a busy flight school we'll kind of know what's going on in the area but um that's generally not the story with every pilot that's that's flying out there
2: and then one of my pet peeves i'll say it is something that annoys me is the the person that's trying to be too cute on the radio maybe like uh (laughs) Um. Hey, I'm ready for departure. I'm. Re- I'm going to get out of here, or something. You know. Yeah. Adding a little bit of gotcha
1: in there. Yep. That that can't be good for the whole system, can it? <laughs> Generally speaking, it's not. There is a time and a place for it. I mean, um for all the people that listen to live ATC, if you listen to a lot of the frequencies, there is a lot of fun that goes on when it's you know. Airline, just checking on. I'll get a lot of times they'll say, hey, this is United 254, 5-level 360, how you doing? And, you know, that, I don't, it doesn't bother me. And now, if I'm busy, yeah, it's a whole different story. But for the most part, I think they're listening. They know it's slow. You know, that, that's fine. Um, so, like I said, there's a time and a place. But generally, you know, let's try to keep it to the pilot controller glossary and use our proper phraseology. All right number four number four never assume this is a big one because there's been so many accidents that could have been prevented with not making assumptions and i i think i may have brought this up in the last the last uh podcast um but Abianka flight 52 and for everyone at home you can look it up on wikipedia and there's actually a youtube video of the atc recording of um this airliner trying to get into New York, and this was years and years ago. Um, they were holding for a long time, and they finally got in to shoot the approach. They got down, couldn't see the runaway, went missed. They checked on with uh New York traycon which just approach, and they said, uh, we're two two thousand five hundred for four thousand, and approach gave them a vector, and they said, Okay, and we're running out of fuel. Well, what does that mean? You know, Are you literally running out of fuel, or are you minimum fuel or are you emergency fuel? Um, and it turns out the pilot literally, they were out of fuel, and the, they ended up flaming out both engines and crashing in a neighborhood. And um, I think if they would have used emergency fuel, it could have completely changed the whole situation. And for everyone out there, who doesn't really know this type of phraseology. So there's when you're talking about fuel, there's really two situations that ATC needs to know about. It's minimum fuel. And if you say you're minimum fuel, that means, okay, I can't take any extra unnecessary delays and we'll avoid delays as possible. And But I'll, I will say for if there's any airline pilots out there, um, I hear minimum fuel all the time, especially during weather days, everyone's getting reroutes, it happens, You know, maybe they try to shoot an approach, stay diverted, whatever it may be, minimum fuel isn't all that rare. Now, emergency fuel, that is you're declaring emergency for fuel, and I'm moving everybody out of the way for you. You're going straight to final. Um, So using clear communication like that and not assuming that every air traffic controller knows what you're talking about, you know, and I I think the best example is if you tell ATC, hey, uh, um, my oil pressure is, is running low. To most, they don't know what that means. Because um, not all of air traffic controllers are pilots, but if you say I may lose an engine or I'm losing my engine, that's a whole different story. That
2: kind of makes sense to everybody.
1: Yeah, exactly. No so question. you know, or if you say, hey, my my uh, ammeter is jumping around. Well, I don't. You know, most ATC don't know what an ammeter is. So um, you know, identify the problem and say what is the worst case situation. If your ammeter is going crazy, maybe you can lose your, your electrics and maybe you only have, you know, 15 to 30 minutes of um, electricals left. So um, no, never assume we're all, you know, we know what you're saying and, um, you know, and the other big thing I think for uh, GA pilots is if you get a vector and you're, let's say you're doing a practice approach and it points you towards a cloud. Don't assume you're on an IFR clearance. If you're VFR flight following, we can't see those clouds on our radar scope. Mm-hmm. So you have to tell us, hey, I'm about to fly into a cloud. I need to, I need to descend or I need to go to the left or something. Um, you're, you know, you're the PIC. You have to maintain the clearances from the clouds. And just because we maybe we point you in that direction doesn't mean you can fly through it.
2: Yeah, that's a good tip, and a lot of times on fly following, I'll I'll tell them I'm going to have to change altitude because I'm I see this big white puffy thing in front of me that I'm going to have to divert around for sure, and I, they might see something, maybe not the ATC, you might see something on the map, but you got to tell them that you need to get out of it. You can't do that. Yeah,
1: I think that would end for a for a short check ride if Wally had a an applicant go uh, keep flying to a through a cloud if they thought ATC meant they could. <laughs>
3: I've actually had that happen um uh the, the young man we flew right into a cloud and and uh we we landed and we, we discussed it and uh his reasoning was well the 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 Aida said it was thirty five hundred broken and we were at two thousand feet. The cloud shouldn't have been there. <laughs> I kid you not, and I uh, said so, well the, the cloud was there. Surely
2: even that young man or woman knew that the weathermen aren't always right. Right, right.
1: (laughs) Number five is slow it down. What does that mean, Gio? Absolutely. So talk deliberately and clearly. And so whenever I first became an air traffic controller, I talked very fast. And I was like, you know what? These pilots just need to listen quicker because I'm going to rip off these clearances. And that led to a lot of struggles for me where I had to keep saying things over and over again. Um, and I think this applies to the pilots, you know, you don't have to talk fast, talk deliberately and clearly. Um, you know, for an example, uh, Houston approach, Cessna Niner, one or Tango Charlie, 10 miles east of Navasota, 4,500, like to pick up flight following. Said everything clearly, slowly, and they can get the point. But if you start rattling off clearances, or if you start rattling off all this information, we're going to ask you say again, because you know, maybe we're talking to somebody else. We only caught a part of it. So, um, and that's the big thing. If you're picking up flight following, and this is a question I get all the time. How do I pick up flight following? What's the best way to do it? And number one thing is say your call sign slowly and clearly. Now, I don't mean drag it out, November, Niner. No, you don't have to do that. Just clearly enunciate it, leave a little bit of uh, space between the numbers and the and the letters. Because we, we need your um, your call sign and your location to really start everything. So say it slowly, uh, slowly and clearly. And um, just remember, the, there's a difference between clogging up the frequency with chatter and um, talking clearly and concisely. So if you talk clear and concise, no air traffic controller is going to get upset with you. Um, and you can ask ATC to say again as many times as you need. Like I said, I, I was a fast talker and I still talk, uh, fast at times. But if you, if you say, say again, and I keep hearing it, then I'm going to know, oh, I'm talking way too fast. No one's catching what I'm saying. And I'll start slowing it down. Um, and I, I think there's that old cliche, uh, cliche of, uh, slow down to, to go faster. Right. So I, I think that applies in a lot of cases, uh, with air traffic communications.
2: And that won't frustrate you, or won't frustrate the majority of ATC people if we ask you to
1: repeat? Oh, no. And, um, and if it does, then so what? I, I always say an annoyed controller is better than a pilot deviation. So right. um, never, never guess, never think it, the calls for you, say again, it's fine. I, and I think airline pilots are, are great at this because if they're not sure, they, and, and they have the luxury of two pilots in there, but they'll say, hey, just confirm you you said flight level 190 or zero. You know, so I think GA pods can really benefit from, you know, just double checking.
3: And and the, the terminology uh, when you do want the controller to say something again is say again. Yeah. So uh, would you say again for one, two, three, Bravo, Charlie? Or if if you have received a clearance or you think you've received, but you're not 100%, mm-hmm. just say, um, you know, just confirm one, two, three, Bravo, Charlie is cleared the land one seven, right? And, uh, so confirm and say again is, is the phraseology as opposed to repeat, would you repeat? Okay. Yeah. Um, is, is that going to communicate, uh, probably fine with the controller? It is, and the controller will probably repeat it. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of our student pilots are, are pursuing professional flying jobs and, or, or careers i should say and you're going to be flying in foreign countries where the controller you're talking to has a limited uh may, may have limited english knowledge mm-hmm. so we need to try to stay within the the proper phraseology
1: yeah that's, that's a great point i mean international flying you know i i, I don't think about that often that that's a really good point
2: yeah number six be patient
1: yeah absolutely um so if, if you go on YouTube uh, and go to the United Flight Shorts, there's a short where I'm with another air traffic controller and we pick up flight following. And uh, whenever we try to get it, we, we go through, say, our call sign slowly and do all this. We wait a minute, nothing, two minutes, and then finally the air traffic controller gets back to us. Okay. Uh, Cessna, Nine Hundred and One Tango, Charlie, uh, say again. So. The whole point of, of saying be patient is you know, a lot of times controllers are talking to people on different frequencies. At any given time, I'm you know, I could be working three to up to eight frequencies. So uh, maybe you don't hear us talking to somebody else, but maybe we're getting a clearance. And that goes back to the very first one listen. So if you hear us give a clearance and you don't hear anything back, that doesn't mean that the clearance is done. It means someone's probably reading it back on a different frequency. Um, so if you don't hear anything, give it a second before you, you try again, you know, and this is as close to a pet peeve, if there is one, <laughs> is when someone checks in and they say, Houston Center, this is uh, November 105 Alpha Foxtrot, and I'm talking to somebody else, and then literally five seconds later, Houston Center, November 105 Alpha Foxtrot, still doing, and they keep they keep going, going, and going, and I'm just trying to talk to another airplane, and we're stepping on each other, right? So, uh, you know, we'll get to you, and, um, you know, if we really need, need you, you know, we'll reach out to you, like you said before. If we need something, we can reach out. But give us a second before you check in. Now, don't take it to an extreme. Don't wait 10 minutes on frequency for us to get back to you. We probably missed it, but um, it's okay to give it a second. And it goes back to the very first one, you know, uh, listen before you, before you speak.
3: And the other thing about that is if ATC is not responding to you, make sure your volume is up. Oh yeah, because uh, you know I, I've I've seen this many times, and I've probably been guilty of it. You you know you make the call and ATC calls you back, but you don't hear them because you've inadvertently turned your volume down. And then you call them again. Well, you you don't hear them. So now you've stepped on them. So now you've messed up other other communication I'm sitting here smiling because I know yeah. I've done this yeah. and I don't want to <laughs> yeah. admit it
2: but at the same time I'm going to admit it you you get to where you're flying you know an hour trip to Austin and you're talking about things and you're showing off the whiz bang avionics in there and you turn on XM radio and the whole time you kind of turn this down turn this down and next time you check in you don't you don't hear anything back and you're frustrated or you're like okay now yeah. I'm getting worried yeah. what's going on and yeah Um, It is a real deal. We've all been there. We've all done that for sure. (coughs) The word unable, what about that? Number seven, don't hesitate to use unable.
1: Oh, 100%. (coughs) Um, Never accept the clearance if you are unsure if you can comply. And this is a big, big, big one. Um, You know, for everyone out there that wants to fly jets one day, we're gonna, you're gonna start getting issued crossing restrictions. These are hard restrictions where you'll be at thirty-six thousand feet, and we'll clear you when you're maybe a hundred miles away. Hey, cross marks at 13,000. and if you read that back, we're counting on you to hit that fix at one three thousand feet. You know, so if you're not sure you can do it, say unable. You know, we can work out another plan. We have plan B through Z through all the other letters of all the other alphabets. We can figure something out. Um, for student pilots at, you know, airports with multiple runways. If you get a last minute runway change, if you're all set up, hey, unable. If, if you need to go around, go around. But don't try and do a fighter pilot, you know, maneuver to land on the another runway. It's okay to say unable. I mean, Wally, have you ever had to say unable? While you're oh, playing? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Many times. Yeah. So don't, don't put the plane or your passengers in an uncomfortable position. Um, and I will say... Um, I, I, I've never, I've never done this, but I've never, uh, you don't want to get a late crossing restriction because maybe air traffic control forgot to give you one again. I've never done this ever in my career, (laughs) but, um, if you get a late one, sometimes we know we messed up and we can, we can call and communicate this with approach and say, Hey, you know, that crossing restriction that we agreed upon, Hey, is it okay if he's a little bit high? And for the most part, it's no issue. Yeah. Now, if you're sitting there at 36,000 feet and you're over the airport, yeah, you're probably going to need a little vectors to help you get down. But um, yeah, don't hesitate to un- say unable, especially with weather deviations. Um, I mean, the, whenever I was flying the Piper Arrow back from Florida, there was a massive thunderstorm. And we, had, we were in the clear going around you know, the north side of it. And ATC gave me a heading and said, okay, turn 30 degrees left vectors for traffic. I look to my left and I see a big, scary cloud off my left side, and um, I mean say, unable. I, I you know, I, I got a storm off my side, and he goes, "Sir, this is for traffic." And he kept pushing me to go to the left, and I had to stay firm, say, "Unable. I, you know, I'm not going to go that way." And they made a new plan. Maybe I got vectored more. Maybe he got annoyed with me, but I wasn't comfortable going that direction, and um, you know, especially when you start flying bigger and faster airplanes and you're going to be getting closer to weather, you're going to have to know how to stay unable because sometimes, you know, we're going to have to fit you in tight windows and it's, it's ultimately it's fine if you have to go a little bit extra, but don't, don't get forced into a thunderstorm um, because, you know, obviously it's, it's not a good position to be in. And just remember, you know, 91.3, you know, the PIC is a final authority for the safety of flight. Always keep that in mind. You know, you fly the airplane, we'll do everything else for you. So, unable you know and you're going to say it at one point in your career if you fly long enough um and and don't avoid it because you think you're going to make us upset yeah
3: just just communicate with the controller you know you you gave the example of one three thousand at marks a lot of times you may we may get a a a crossing restriction cross marks at one three thousand two five zero knots and you've got a late descent you look at it and you go well that that's not going to work just tell tell the controller hey it's we, we can give you one 3,000 or we can give you 250, but we can't give you both. And a lot of times they'll tell you what's more important. They'll say, okay, we need the altitude more than we need the airspeed. So you cross marks at one 3,000 at uh, 330 knots and slow down as you can. So just just effective communication. Yeah, and part of that is really kind of leads into number eight here,
2: ask for help when you need it. We kind of talked a little bit before we started recording about some incidents and how air traffic control uh, can make every best effort, but sometimes still make it hard for the the pilot. We talked about Tammy Jo Schultz and her incident that she had, the air traffic controllers kept changing her frequency. And she was the pilot in command and said, look, guys, no more frequency changes. And that was her way of asking for help. Like there was a lot going on that day for her. And, no matter how much experience she had, that has to be overwhelming as a pilot to, to be in an incident that is a, truly an emergency, but uh, she may be told for help instead of asked for help. She mm-hmm. said no more frequency changes. What do you suggest a pilot does when they need help?
1: Yeah. I, and I think the, the key word here is I'm declaring an emergency, <laughs> you know, uh, and it, that this is granted if it isn't a true emergency. So, there's a, a, plenty of other situations where you can ask for help. You know, like I said, airline pilots, they have the luxury of having another person in the cockpit with them. But for the most of us, we're by ourselves. Maybe you're single pilot IMC, you got one radio and you need to get ATIS. Well, you know what? If you ask me for the ATIS, I will read it to you most of the time, you know, if we're not too busy. You know, it, those are that goes into additional services. But, um, you know, I can get that at my... Uh, sector with literally just maybe six letters. I just type in the airport ID and hit WR and I get the full METAR and I can read you the weather. Um, you know, Houston approach, they actually have the ATISs. They can tell you, you know, all the ATIS information. If you need NOTAMS, this is a big one. You know, you can ask, ask for it. You know, if, if they, if you're asked, do you have the weather NOTAMS? This, this is not a trap. They're not trying to, to get you on a regulation. They really want to know if you actually have the NOTAMS. Um, and you know those can change in flight. Maybe you take off and everything's fine, and then when you get there, maybe there's a disabled aircraft on the runway. Maybe the runway lights are out, and or the approach lighting system's out, and that changes the minimums for the approach. So, ask for the notams. They they get updated in real time, and you can easily uh, uh, have ATC help you. I mean there's other services too during football season i get asked for the scores of games all the time you know (laughs) we we can pass that on now don't make a habit of that but there's a lot of extra fun stuff that we can do but we're 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 a service oriented organization um so use us you know we're not air police we're you think of us as a part of your crew how
2: deep do you go in the sports world? Like, can you give me curling statistics? Or,
1: <laughs> like, what what sports uh, do I have to stop asking
2: questions about?
1: Oh, yeah, you know, fo- football. I'll give you the full stat line. I'll tell you how uh, Ezekiel Elliott did on the last play, or I'll give you my uh, my thoughts on uh, a lot of the games. No, I'm joking, but um, start a betting line. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there you go.
3: There's actually a controller. Um, this was years ago. I want to say it was Albuquerque Center. I used to fly a lot of L.A. Red Eyes, so you would leave here at seven o'clock at night and you fly to LA and then you turn around and come back and uh, get home at five in the morning. But there was a, again, I think it was Albuquerque center that had a, had a joke every night and you, you talk to him and you'd usually hear another airplane say, what's the joke of the night? <laughs> and, uh, I, I still remember one of his jokes and it was, what did the fish say when he ran into the concrete wall? I don't know what, what did he say? damn <laughs> <laughs> there you go anyway that came from albuquerque center thank
2: you uh, atc <laughs> all right the last two number nine and ten we'll just put those together geo and, and um, wrap up the show after that number yeah. nine
1: so number nine aviate navigate then communicate long pause there so um fly the airplane and for the instrument students out there really even the, the private pilots student pilots if you get a frequency change and you have to run a checklist run the checklist, then check on, you know, don't feel rushed to check on, miss your checklist. And then you're behind the airplane. Um, you know, a lot of times if I get a frequency change and I'm, let's say I'm going to college station, I'll check the ATIS real quick. Then I'll check on, I already have the ATIS. So don't feel rushed to immediately get on, always fly the airplane. And, um, another big one is if you're by yourself, don't try to copy a clearance and taxi at the same time navigate to the runway, navigate to where you're come to a full stop and then you can write it down. You know, you're, you you do not want to be texting and, and flying. Right. So, um, which is
2: funny because they, you know, even on fly followings around here, if I, if I'm, you know, I can imagine myself now testing my brakes and I'm on the roll and they're, Hey, we have your fly following information when you're ready to copy, you feel obligated to do that quickly. Right. And, yes. uh, there's nothing wrong with saying "unable."
1: I'll get it at the Delta ramp. Like yeah. it's not gonna change anything. And you can see where um, these all melt, melt together. Say it's okay to say "unable." You know, "unable." I'll get in a second. Or they use the ass. Advise: Are you ready to copy? And negative. No. <laughs> yeah. But how many? But in reality,
2: I guess what I'm saying in reality, how many times do you hear that? Very rare, if ever. Mm-hmm. And I think that creates opportunity for distraction and damage. Right? Like. We really should just say, no, I'm going to get it in a minute.
1: Yes, absolutely. And then um, for for the last one, I'll I'll, uh, give a bonus one with, you have to remember that air traffic, airspace, as we mentioned, is complex, and it goes out further than you actually think. And we want to talk to you for that reason. Generally, you'll never annoy us if you check on and you're at 12,500 feet and you're just doing maneuvers. We want to talk to you. Um, and this is something Bobby and I, and actually Wally, we all had a conversation about this before the, the show of if you're, there's an aircraft flying at 12,500 just outside the Bravo doing maneuvers. Little did they know they were right in the arrival path of all the hobby aircraft. Now let me preface this maybe there's someone at home saying that's perfectly legal, hundred percent legal but is it the safest thing to do? Because what I saw for the next 10 minutes was very interesting as those targets came nose-to-nose, and the Southwest flight had a RA. And uh, maybe, while you can give us a little more information as, as to what a, what a RA is for the people who don't know out there and what yeah. happens in the cockpit. Yeah, well, we have a traffic avoidance
3: system uh, traffic, uh, called TCAS, and we get two kinds of uh, alerts. We get what we call a TA, which is a traffic advisory, if within traffic is was in a a certain proximity uh we're alerted to it uh that's that's kind of a yellow alert a a ta is a a yellow alert if you will an ra is a resolution advisory in other words the uh the computers of the two airplanes are talking to each other or the traffic avoidance systems are talking to each other and it has come up with a solution and it tells uh, airplane a to climb airplane B to descend or maybe stay level, but definitely don't climb and on our 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 display we'll have uh you know a, uh, a thing, and we'll we'll have an oral warning that'll say climb climb, climb or descend 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 um, so it's uh, re- resolution advisory is a big deal and in, in my airline career i've I've had uh um, maybe maybe two or three of them. Um, so it's it, you, know, they're not optional, I assume. No, 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 you when it, it tells you to, to do something, you got to do something. So yeah, it's it's definitely a big deal. But like as you said, Geo, I mean, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's smart, doesn't mean it's safe. You know, I fly uh, my uh, general aviation airplane, um, a lot of times I go to the southwest side of Houston, and I fly between the airspace between two Class D airports, uh, north of Hooks and south of Conroe. And if, if they're landing to the north, I know I'm on the approach uh, path for Conroe. If we're landing to the south, I know I'm flying right in the approach pass, path for Hooks. And, again, I'm legal. I'm below the Bravo. I'm out of the Delta But if I'm coming across at at 1,800 feet and they're landing south at Hooks, I know I'm right in the approach path. So I I call up the tower and let them know, hey, I'm out here, I'm coming across, and they may say, okay, thank you very much. Just
2: smart pilotage is all that really is. Yeah. Well, Gio, thanks for joining us again on the show. As always, if you're out there, be nice to your air traffic controllers. Jump on and say hi. They probably want to talk to you more than you want to talk to them and make sure you're as safe as you can be. Fly safe and stay behind the prop.
0: Thanks for checking out the Behind the Prop podcast. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out online at BehindTheProp.com. Behind the Prop is recorded in Houston, Texas. Creator and host is Bobby Doss. Co-host is Wally Mulhern. The show is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to replace actual flight instruction. Thanks for listening and remember, fly safe.